I think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. So they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 295 of Low Limit Football on this 30th of August, 2020. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, youngster Eduardo Camavinga dazzles as Rena defeats Montpellier in Ligue 1. Arsenal beat Liverpool for the Community Shield, their second trophy in the last four weeks. An American has made the move to a giant Serie A club. We'll let you know who and where he's going. And the drama is heating up between Barcelona and Lionel Messi. We're going to discuss that and much more with our very special guest, Peter Coates from Golazo Argentino, who will be joining us in just a bit. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How are you doing, my man? Well, Let's be fair, um, uh, Joe. Mm -hmm. It's not as messy as I thought it would be, but <laughs> it's very well. Yeah, it's it, well, it's getting messier. That's for sure, man. Um, and I know you're referring to everything that's going on with uh, with Lionel Messi and Barcelona. There's been a lot of news that's come up in the past 24 hours on this case. Um, luckily, we had Peter Coate scheduled to join us today and got to talk about it and. Um, we're going to bring you a great interview in just a, a few minutes, and then we'll give you our thoughts on, on the whole messy saga and see if it is as messy as we think it is, no pun intended. So um, let's, uh, let's, let's get to it right away, my friend. Let's do the trivia question right now, and I have the honor. So if you're ready, yes. um, since this is going to be a kind of a Lionel Messi type show for the most part, I have a Lionel Messi trivia question. Okay. Lionel Messi... Um, on the Argentinian national team is the career-leading goal scorer for them at 70 goals. Lionel Messi is also compared very frequently to a Argentinian legend, Diego Maradona, who is currently mm -hmm. fifth on that list and will probably not rise, um, but fifth on the list at 34 goals um, for him. So between number one and number five, there are three players who sandwich between Messi and Maradona. Can you give me those three players? I can. Excellent. I know this. All right. This. So we will give you the answer. 
at the uh, at the end of the show, let's let's get into opening thoughts because opening thoughts was huge news. And no, we're not going to do messy yet. We're going to actually save that for Peter. Um, but we're going to talk about the big uh, move for the American national team player that I mentioned in the opening monologue, and that's Weston McKinney. Weston McKinney becomes the first American player to join Juventus on loan from Schalke. The deal is. I believe rated at 21 million euros. However, it is a 3 million euro um, transfer for this year uh, on loan with an option to buy. I believe the option to buy is that if Juve finish in the top four in the Serie A, then they are obligated to buy him. So this is basically a 20 million euro deal. Um, you know, that's kind of pushed off the money. And I think we're going to see a lot of those types of deals happen. McKinney, only 22 years old, like I said, is the first American to play for Juventus. And if rumors are led to believe he will not be the last because Juve have been pursuing Serginho Dest from Ajax. So we will see if we actually have what I tweeted earlier this week, which is we have we could possibly have more Americans or as many Americans starting for Juventus this year as we do Italians, which I think is an is a crazy stat. But McKenney becomes the first purchase for Andrea, uh, Andrea Pirlo at Juve um, and I'm excited for it. Uh, as a Juventino, I'm excited for it. I think he offers a lot. If you've watched him at Schalke over the past few seasons, you've seen him grow as a, as a player, and I think he brings a lot to the table, a lot of intelligence, a lot of speed, a lot of things that Pirlo is probably going to want to fix in the midfield at Juve. So I think this is a great opportunity for Juve to improve their midfield. I think they need to do a little more work than they've already done, but I think this is a good start. Um also, Rob, one thing that I didn't think about, this is a big marketing opportunity for Juventus here in the United States, bringing in Weston McKinney, who's probably next to Christian Pulisic, the most popular um, American footballer abroad. So this is a big opportunity for Juve to kind of plant their feet a little deeper into the marketing world of the United States. I think this this money move, this makes sense both, you know, structurally with the team. It makes sense financially with the ability to market. And, and I think this is a good move both not only for McKinney, who gets to play under Pirlo, who's one of the greatest midfielders of all time, um, but you know also for Juve to be able to enter that market. What are your thoughts on this move overall? Well, I do like to hear your thoughts as well, given you are a American Juventus fan. But having said that, I think it's a good move. I think it's really a good move because it allows him to, one, obviously play for a big side that is Juventus. I think you did mention that you know, I, I think in this current COVID-19 um, era, we are starting to see a lot of loans as money starts to be, you know, we're obviously going to talk about a lot of money when it comes to someone like Lionel Messi. But, you know, we're seeing loans um, coming from teams like at Juventus. And, and I think it kind of makes sense because I think for Weston, I think, you know, he's still young. He, he, he actually got a he got this move on his 22nd birthday. So happy belated to him. Yeah. And I think it's... um. I, I think it does offer something of what Pirlo wants to bring. I mean, yes, we don't know how to judge Andrea Pirlo yet as a manager, given that he hasn't um, he hasn't coached a single game yet. But I would assume that he, or at least people in Juventus, were looking at a kind of player that kind of fits what he's trying to get, and you know, trying to get those midfielders that are able to work work hard, um, you know, and, and I think Weston provides that, you know, he, I think he's definitely someone that has a lot of dynamism in him. I think he's someone that also is able to, you know, perhaps not completely dictate a match, but definitely start it, at least from that midfield. Um, you know, he could definitely recover the ball well. I, I really do like 
the way that he's just so versatile in that kind of midfield that, you know, he can't just play as a central midfielder. He can play in front of the defense. I think he is someone that, given his age, is very, very mature. Um, obviously, he's not perfect, and he definitely has some uh, shaky moments at times. But I think going to Juventus and assuming that he does get this significant amount of playing time that he gets, um, that it will work well for him. And if it does work well for him, then that's great news for us as American fans um, that we want to see our players play in the best teams in the best leagues in the world and, and to get significant playing minutes. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see him go. Um, hopefully we can we could possibly see a, a midfield three of him, Arthur, and, um, you know, Bentancourt probably, if, if, if it all goes well. Um, you know, those, those are three young midfielders that I think um, – Pirlo would be very fortunate to have and and I think maybe that does help Juventus a bit I, I think it does help him going forward but you know enough of me Joe and yeah. more to you as the Juventus fan in the United States how do you envision this move uh for Weston and how do you feel about it well, I, I I feel great about it I think I think it's a good move I think it's a good move for Weston I think it's a good move for Juve um I think it's a good move for the Serie A to bring an American presence a, a big American presence back into the league because of those marketing opportunities I'm glad you brought up the three names uh Betancourt Rodrigo I'm sorry uh Betancourt uh, Arthur and McKinney because McKinney's 22 uh, Betancourt's 23 and Arthur's 24 nice young core there um Still, I would like to see them get a little faster, but at this point in time, I think the youth there is is going to be good for them because it it allows them to, you know, youth tends to stay healthier. So I think this is a great um, this is a great move to make that midfield younger. Where we had uh, you know thirty year old Pjanic and we had um, you know uh, I'm oh Machuidi who also was was older He's on the north side of thirty. So to make this midfield younger, I think was important for Pirlo. Now I think. What we don't know is, like you said, Pirlo hasn't coached a match yet. So what formation are we using? You know, we've still got people like Bernardeschi. We've still got Douglas Costa on the books. We've still got Rabio on the books. We still have a lot of midfield, and we don't know how Pirlo plans to use that midfield. I think that is a, a nice thing, and I think maybe as we see moves happen for Juve, we'll get to, we'll get to understand what um, what Andrea Pirlo might want to march out there in terms of a lineup. I think everyone is kind of focused on that. I think many feel that the three five two for Juve back under Allegri, back under Conte, uh, really worked well. Um, it was you know you think about those dynamic wingers that they had at the time was was a big thing. Um, also, you have strong central defenders, so for Juve to return back to a three five two would be very easy. You've got Chiellini, you've got Bonucci, you've got, you still currently have Rugani, although odds are he might be gone. You have Demerol, you have Romero that you can bring back in. There are some serious, serious heavy-duty defenders, central defenders, that you could bring back in and tie this all together. So I think there is the possibility that you do see a 3-5-2 and you see maybe um, two of you know, Betancourt, Arthur, and McKinney playing in the central roles there with Dybala playing behind Cristiano Ronaldo and a second striker. I don't know who that might be. I think making Dybala a number 10, like a general, would be would be a much better option for Dybala. Could open up the door for Lionel Messi to play as the second striker too, right? I mean, we can, we can talk about that in a couple of minutes. But um, I think this is ultimately a good move. I, like I said, I think the Juve... Central defense. I'm um, central midfield had to get younger, had to get stronger, and I think this move 
uh, of McKinney coming in is something that is that leads them to that. Um, so we'll have to see how Pirlo incorporates it, but I think this is a nice start for them, you know, Rob, you know, myself. So um, any final words before we get uh, we get to our um, our main topic with Peter Coates? No, I'm just looking at the quote that Pirlo said in his introductory press conference as manager. He said that, you know, he wants two things from his players, you know, that they always have to keep the ball. And when you lose it, you have to get it back quickly. So clearly that's a reference of wanting those midfielders, those quick midfielders that you had asked for, Joe. Mm. And so hopefully that if McKenney is able to get that continued playing of, uh, playing time, and I'm, I'm pretty confident that he will because you know, look at the options that they have as well. Um that it goes well for him. I think. I think ultimately, it's all up to him. Uh, we don't want to put too much pressure on him. I mean, obviously, playing uh, an American playing at one of the biggest clubs, maybe the top five, ten biggest clubs in the world, um, might be enough pressure for someone like him. I mean, we, we see it with Pulisic at Chelsea. Uh, we see it at play, players like Tyler Adams at Leipzig, Giorena, Dortmund. I mean, mm. um, we clearly have the options available, and, and we clearly are happy to see that happening. And you know. I think we should be proud that we see a lot of young Americans play for the biggest teams uh, in the world, and and that's all we what we really ask for. So I couldn't. All agree we can more. do is support Weston and go for it. I couldn't agree more. Um, and going back to what Pirlo said about you know when we lose the ball, getting it back quickly, that that high press. How many of the big successful clubs have we seen? implement that high press and be successful with it. We've seen Bayern Munich do it, right? We've seen Liverpool do it. We, we've seen a bunch of teams like that do it. We've seen Real Madrid do it. So Manchester City as well, when when they lose the ball, they press that ball and then they get that ball back in the opposite third. So, you know, it's, it's the right strategy. And I don't think Juve have really done it. They've, you know, over the past few years, even under Saudi, which you expected Saudi ball to be a little different, um, you've seen them kind of sit back, defend, and counter, sit back, defend, and counter. And so to change the the DNA of the way Juve's played for the past 10, 12 years um, is going to be interesting to see how he does it. But these are, like you said, the right pieces to start that process and to change that DNA. So um, again, going back to Weston, best, um, you know, of course, the best of luck. And for me personally, as an American fan, as a Juve fan, um, I'm I'm totally lined up to get my uh, my Juve Weston McKinney kit uh, as soon as possible. So we'll <laughs> we'll see where that comes in. So um, let's table our opening thoughts discussion for now and go to our interview. Uh, again, we, we had Peter Coates join us just a, a few minutes ago and got to talk to him about everything Lionel Messi. Uh, we even snuck in a little Marcelo Bielsa, which was great to do, and the Argentinian national team. So without further ado, the Peter Coates interview. Joining us now on Low Limit Football from Golazo, Argentina, Mr. Peter Coates. Peter, welcome back to the show. I uh, wanted to, we're great to have you here because we really wanted to get into this messy thing a little bit deeper. Uh, La Liga releasing a statement this morning that Messi's contract is still valid and the only way for him to leave Barcelona is if a team pays that 700 million euro release clause. Messi's already said that he will not report for his physical and for, uh, for his testing uh, this morning at Barcelona. This has really become a standstill, a messy standstill that is starting to spill out into the streets. What are your thoughts on La Liga's mention this morning that the contract is valid and they won't let Messi just run off for free? Yeah, well, I mean, it completely goes against the news that broke yesterday that suggested that at this stage of the contract, that clause no longer applied. Um, certainly makes things a little trickier um, for Messi and and any club that was thinking about or had already been in contact with him about a move 
Uh, and I think it's just the next step in what looks like it's going to be a very, very messy um, divorce between the two. Messi seems fairly intent on on leaving. Um, by all accounts, has, has made those moves, has had discussions with Man City, for example. Um, so he, he seems intent on leaving Barcelona at this point in his career. Um, Barcelona, on the other hand, seemed fairly intent on, on keeping hold of him. So there has to be some breaking point, you feel. They're in that difficult situation now of having a player with one year left on his contract who doesn't want to be there and in one year could leave or just walk away for free and they get absolutely nothing. So will they want to come to the negotiation table now and try and get something if he really is that intent on leaving? Now, you know, I look back on this situation, the way it's actually developing, and I wonder if there's a potential here for Messi to just sit out the season. If if Barca stick to the 700 million euro contract clause, La Liga backs them. I always felt at the beginning of this, once Messi announced this, that we were going to go to the court of arbitration for sport. I, I felt like that was going to go there because these are what Messi's relying on is the fact that these are strange times that 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 clause ended June 30th but because the season was extended past that that the, the clause is still valid so I felt like this was going to going to court eventually I think that's where it will ultimately be and we already know where Barca and La Liga side versus Messi um, is there potential for him to just sit out the season and say you know what I won't play at all and then once that contract clause comes back up he just activates it and, and leaves well I mean I guess that's that's one of the options I, I just don't think a 33-year-old could could really afford to say, I'll miss a whole season of football. I mean, the motivation for leaving is that he wants to try and win things and be in a club which he feels has the potential to do that. Um, but equally, I think at 33, especially as well, we've got a World Cup not that far away. Is, is someone as good as Messi going to say, OK, well, you haven't given me what I want, therefore... No one's going to be able to to make use of me. I just, I just also can't really see that happening. I, I agree. I think it's going to end up going to court. I think if it comes to that, Messi's going to do everything possible. And, and I'm sure clubs interested, the likes of City, will be exploring what they can do from a legal point of view as well, um, which is why I say that. I just think we're in for a very, very messy few weeks, few months even, um, of trying to work out a solution. But it would be absolutely devastating for Messi and I think just for football fans in general if, if we did have that situation where he was just unused for a whole year so excuse the pun Peter that it is going to be a messy situation but having said that um, if it does go Messi's way and he does eventually leave I mean there are a lot of suitors that are going to um, go for his services I mean we look at the likes of Manchester City, we see the likes of PSG, we see the likes of Juventus, Inter. I mean, there had been some rumors floating around of him going back to Newell's old boys, but again, I, I don't see that happening in the current situation that the nation's in. Even a, 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 um, a possible move to MLS probably isn't likely with the demand and wages that he offers. So having said that, Peter, if it does occur and he does eventually leave Barcelona, where do you feel is not only his best um, option to go, but also that maybe we we see a, a Messi that can fit. I, I mean, I, I think this is kind of a bit of a 
irrelevant question because I think whatever club that he goes to, we'll see the best of him. But wh- where do you feel is the best place that we would see the best Lionel Messi? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start at City. And certainly the news in Argentina, basically a day after that the facts went to Barcelona, they seem to have been very focused on the City link. And they've had the news channels, have had people in Manchester talking about the weather and the food and all this kind of stuff to try and suggest how Messi will fit in. And I think when you look at City, um, they do seem to have everything that, he would offer. I mean, obviously, Pep's there. They already have that strong connection. Won things together at Barcelona. Um, then he's got one of his very close friends in Sergio Aguero there. Yes, they haven't won the Champions League, but you'd have to still, every year, with Pep in charge and the team they already have, put City as candidates to win it. Um, certainly candidates as well to win the Premier League. So, I think it would tick the boxes in terms of the finances and the relevance of the club in terms of whether they can deliver trophies for Messi. Um, So I, I like the Argentinian media, would probably put them at the front of the queue. Um, And then I think PSG would, would be the other one because again, as you, as you say, just the finances would put them in that bracket. And again, challenging for the type of honors that he wants. I think a lot of the other, clubs that have been mentioned probably are a little bit below that um you know Juve with Ronaldo there financially it it might be difficult to to have the two of them um and then the the outside moves that you mentioned there as well I I agree 100% about the Newells thing it just seems absolutely romantic to suggest that at this stage of his career when he still wants to win stuff we've got a World Cup in 2022 that he's going to come to Argentina. I mean, he's had so many problems with the AFA. Um, He knows all about how badly things are organised. He's not going to want to come and get involved in that for any really long period of time and certainly not at this point of his career. Um, And, yeah, as you said, the country is just in a bit of a a state at the moment. We don't know when football will return. When it does as well, we don't really know what the situation financially in the country will be. Um, so I'm still leaning towards it's either City or PSG um, as the only viable option other than somehow he gets stuck at Barcelona. Now, Peter, I just want to jump in here because when the news first broke with Messi, you know, turning in his transfer request and and, and everything really started to come out, one of the thoughts that ran through my mind was that this was a, a typical, not typical, but a messy power play against Joseph Bartomeu, the president of Barcelona, um, to get him to step down and leave because they've been at odds for a while. There's rumors that maybe Messi and Ronald Koeman don't exactly get or see eye to eye. And it was something that was more of Messi flexing his muscles so that Bartomeu would step down and that we'd have a new president at Barcelona. Once I thought that, I think like 45 minutes later, there were some rumors that that Bartomeu was considering stepping down. Ultimately, when we look back on this situation, wherever Messi goes, whether he goes to PSG, Man City, Juve, Inter, or he stays at Barcelona, will we look at this as a as a power play by Lionel Messi to get or to change the board at Barcelona? I mean, it it could be. We've seen Messi obviously in the past. There's been rumors of him flirting with other clubs and then he signs a new deal. There's been his retirements at Argentina and then he comes back. So 
understandably, I think people said it could be that he's just doing that to try and force changes at the club. Um, however, on this occasion, all the other sounds that we're getting do, do seem to suggest that no, he you know he he has had enough. Um, Bartomeu has, has has reportedly said that he would step aside, but the rest of the the workings wouldn't really change. So um, I don't know whether that would be enough. And and also just from a sporting point of view, um, even if they were to make those changes, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. It's not just the fact that he's at odds with the board, but Barcelona are in great shape as a, as a team or as a squad. Someone would need to come in and really make widespread changes to that playing staff um, to see them back at a point where you'd say, OK, we can, they can now get the best from Messi and put in a real challenge to beat the likes of Bayern Munich. Because as we saw just a couple of weeks ago, they're absolutely a million miles off that level at the moment. Now, Peter, I have more of a devil's advocate question. And I think you had mentioned it already that, you know, if, if it does come to a stalemate and like that Messi can't leave Barcelona and he doesn't want to play and that he can go to another club as well. I mean, you had mentioned that there is the World Cup in, in Qatar in two years' time, but is there just a sense of that maybe, especially after the way that it ended in that 8-2 eight through eight two thrashing against Bayern Munich, that he just says, you know what, I'm done. I, I don't want to play anymore. I mean, I feel like that might be not a, a realistic scenario, but could it potentially happen if the situation doesn't go Messi's way? Well, I mean, like Joe said, what will happen if he is forced to stay at Barcelona? If, if there's no real way out, what will his reaction be? Because then it does seem that we'd be in a sort of position where, OK, you're going to have to swallow it and play for Barca, um, take a year out. Or the extreme situation, like you were saying, of just walking away. I don't know. It's difficult to see that at the moment because there hasn't been even the suggestion of that. He just seems to want to win stuff and get out of Barcelona. So I don't think, or I certainly hope it wouldn't be that extreme. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. Nobody wants that to happen. But, you know, yeah. it just came up to mind that maybe, I mean, he's always expressed that, you know, once he doesn't have, he's not enjoying the play, the game of football, that he'll just stop playing. So it was just like coming into the back of my mind that perhaps such a situation, although very, very unlikely, could indeed happen. Yeah, I mean, who knows? At, at this point, it seems that, you know, almost hourly, there's another leak of some sort of what's going to happen. Um, I would be absolutely astonished if, if that were the case, if somehow we got to that point where Messi said, OK, well, you know, if I can't get that move, then I'm done. Um, because I think you, you look at him last season, even in, a, even in a poor Barcelona side, and you still put him right at the very, very top of, individual performances in terms of, you know, top goals, top assists, almost every metric in La Liga, Messi's still there. He can still go, certainly, and, and win another Champions League in the right situation, with the right team. Um, you know, Argentina certainly won't be going to the World Cup in 2022 as favourites by any means, but there's that final shot as well of of trying to, to win something with, with Argentina. So, so much more that there's still so much more that Messi probably wants to achieve before he does hang up his boots. So I think it would be such an extreme situation for him to to put all those plans um, forever on ice and hang up his boots. 
100%. Now, looking into a different scenario now, sticking obviously to England, uh, we do have to talk about another Argentine that has gained a lot of popularity over the last few maybe years or, or something along those lines, is Marcelo Bielsa and his promotion of Leeds United back to the Premier League. I mean, obviously, we've seen the, the kind of popularity that he's been given, not only to the Leeds fans, but I think to a lot of English football fans, and even back in Argentina, where, you know, depending on how you view him, he is viewed in a, in a high esteem. So, you know, having said that, and, and looking at some of the rumors that are coming in, um, I think the last rumor that we saw from... Fabrizio Romano saying that Leeds are interested in getting Rodrigo de Paul from Linesi to join his side. And and looking at all the pieces that they've gotten as well, I mean, this Leeds United side under Marcelo Bielsa is in for, for quite a season. And, you know, I, I just want your thoughts on how he's been being viewed in Argentina with the start of the, the Premier League season coming soon. And, and just in general on how you think he might fare out in, in English football. In the Premier League, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I think... I like like everyone else is really excited to see Bielsa in the Premier League up against the likes of Guardiola and Klopp and and the like. Um, Leeds all of a sudden Championship football suddenly on TV in Argentina and, and for that one reason for Bielsa I think Argentina like the most of the world has become very intrigued um, by Bielsa at Leeds. Um, they've been brilliant. Uh, you know, so unlucky first season not to go up and then really the outstanding side in the championship last season. So they look in a great position to go up to the Premier League. I think Bielsa's style of play, the, the players he has have really got on board with that. Um, and I think they'll go to the Premier League full of confidence and, and with a style that looks perfect to be able to go straight up there and, and you know, and hold their own. Um, the moves they've made in the market with Rodrigo already coming in, like you say, that that DePaul rumour is really sensational, but would be an amazing signing for Leeds. Um, just shows the ambition there of the club. Um, and really, I'm re- even as a non-Leeds supporter, really excited to see um, how Bielsa and Leeds get on next season. Now, I'm so glad we went to... Bielsa, because I wanted to ask you about Emiliano Martinez, uh, the goalkeeper from Arsenal that actually won the Community Shield yesterday. So this is a 27-year-old keeper. He, I think he's only gotten one appearance with the national team. And for the most part, the, the goalkeeper for the national team is either Sar, um, uh, Sergio Romero or, uh, or Franco Armani. And Romero not getting much time at United, Armani still down in Argentina – is there an opportunity for this kid who actually Bielsa is eyeing to come over to Leeds as their goalkeeper? Is there an opportunity for this kid, uh, given the success he's had when he's gotten the opportunity at Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an opportunity because I think the goalkeeping position at Argentina, as you say, is is pretty up in the air. I think Romero's time is, is done. Um, I think Scaloni certainly has, has been looking to, to implement a much younger squad, so a lot of the older faces have been starting to um, phase, phase them out. Um, but for the last year, I think it's really been a toss-up between Armani, as you mentioned, and, and then Andrada, so the, the River and Boca goalkeepers. And, it, and it's been a discussion in Argentina, which, as you can imagine, given the two clubs, is very much 50-50. Um, some people would, would say stick with Armani. Others would say Andrada is the best goalkeeper in Argentina. Um, and I think that the third one has probably been Musso, from Udinese, who um, left the Racing a couple of seasons ago, but has been excellent in, in Italy. Um, and he's 
been Scaloni's probably third choice. Um, but within that other group, there's probably now, yeah, Emilio Martinez and, and Agustin Marchesin. Um And given the last few weeks of the Premier League season, yesterday's charity, uh, Community Shield, uh, you'd have to say Emilio Martinez is pushing himself right into the mix mm-hmm. with, let's say, Juan Musso. So it will be interesting to see when, when Scaloni names his next squad which uh, three goalkeepers he goes with, because obviously the Argentinian goalkeepers haven't played any football now for a very long time. Um, and Martinez is the form goalkeeper, so um, will be very interesting to see who makes the squad and then who Scaloni rates as his number one, because I do think Martinez will be pushing for that now. So, so in your opinion, I'm going to close out with a couple of prediction questions because obviously I believe we return to World Cup qualifying in October in uh, Conway Bowl. So when we do get there for those first matches for Argentina, is it Musso? Is it Martinez? Is it Armani? Who is the goalkeeper, the, the starting goalkeeper for the Argentinian national team? Yeah, I mean, I mean, by that stage, we'll have had, in theory, the Copa Libertadores will have started up. We're still waiting on the start date of the Superliga. I think, or at least I wouldn't be surprised if Scaloni sticks with Andrada for the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Musso and Martinez in, in the squad for those World Cup qualifiers. Um, you know, I, I think Martinez will have to see... W- what may happen in, in in this window. I know you mentioned their leads. One of the clubs they're interested, I, by all accounts, he himself has, has kind of told Arsenal, um, look, if, if I'm going to be just back to being number two behind Bernd Leno, then I need to leave because I think he sees now, given his level of performances um, at the end of last season, he needs to be playing every week. And if he was playing every week, then he'd have a real shot at being Argentine number one. That's what he wants. And therefore... If Arsenal can't guarantee him that, then I think they will look to cash in on him. So where he goes, where, whether he'll be playing every week, whether he can maintain that level, um, will all be very important to see whether he can be Argentina's number one going forward. And, and, to, and to go full circle for my final question, when all is said and done, where is Lionel Messi playing this year? Uh, if I was pushed, I, I, I think he's going to end up at City. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, that's based on as much information as, as we all have. I mean, one day it's one thing, the next day it seems to change. Um, we're, we're now going to have to see how this, this next chapter plays out. La Liga and Barcelona having their stance, Messi and his team, his lawyers having another. So I think we're in for a bit of a roller coaster over the next um, few days and weeks. Um, but if I was pushed, then yeah, I think somehow he's going to end up at City. So before we let you go, Peter, where can people find your work? Uh, yeah, just uh, Twitter, Golasso Argentino. Um, and yeah, that, that'll from there. Anything else that I do or say will will be linked to that. Great stuff. Peter, thanks again for joining us on the show. We really appreciate having you on, and we look forward to the next time you're back with us talking maybe happier times with Lionel Messi. Yeah, I hope so. Always a pleasure to join you guys, and I um, hope to be back again soon. And special thanks again to Peter Coates for joining us on the show. To wrap up the the thoughts on Lionel Messi and what's going to happen from here, um, I, I, I'm still sticking to a couple of things, Rob, for me. One, I do think that ultimately this was a massive power play by Lionel Messi to get rid of uh, Bart, Joseph Bartomeu, 
to clean house at the upper management at Barcelona and to get Barcelona going in the right direction. I mean, Barca is really the only club he's truly known. And, and I think this is Barca itself is near and dear to him. I don't. And I think this power play is Messi being able to do messy things and, you know, no pun intended, of course, and get what he, what he feels is the right change done at Barcelona. I, I, I feel like they've never replaced Javi. Once he left, and, and they've really lost not only Javi, but uh, Andres Iniesta, and I think Messi sees that, and I think that, you know, Barca have not done anything to do anything about that, so I think that's kind of where his heart is. Ultimately, I see him not going to Manchester City. I'm going to make that prediction now. I'm going to say that you might see more of Bartomeu stepping down. I think it's more likely that Bartomeu steps down, Messi stays, than it is Messi gets out of his contract and goes. I also think that La Liga coming out this morning with their statement that uh, the contract is valid is really La Liga's attempt to hold on to their last megastar. I mean, there are really still two megastars in the world, right? I mean, I would say a guy like Ibrahimovic is, is like a, a 1A star. Uh, Eden Hazard is, is, is not even that. Um, but people gravitate. The, the money-making on Messi and Ronaldo uh, – worldwide is ridiculous and i think la liga needs to hold on to that because when they lose messi if they lose messi the value of the marketing for la liga goes down the tubes so i think this is a this is a, an important money decision by la liga to come out with this statement today and we'll see if it holds um i don't think you can undersell the juventus possibility rob and i'm and i'm going to tell you why the idea of having the two most marketable footballers in history, okay, is is very, very salivating to any club. Juve, with Messi and Ronaldo on the team at the same time, becomes such a massive, massive marketing opportunity worldwide. You could see financially Juventus become the biggest club in the world just by having those two super, superstars on their team together for two to three years. It would make, I don't know that it would be worth the $700 million buyout clause, but I think it, if they could get him on the free, the marketing opportunities are endless. And I don't think people should lose sight of that. Now, do I think he goes to, to Juve? No, I don't think so. But I think the, I, I don't think you can sell that short. I, I honestly think that if I had to rank the opportunities, I think City is definitely in the driver's seat. I would think Juve second because of that possibility. I think PSG is third. Um, so we'll have to see. But those are my thoughts. I think ultimately he stays at Barca. I think it's I think Bartomeu steps down. And I think maybe La Liga goes to Bartomeu and says, listen, man, you got to go because we need to keep him because we make money with Lionel Messi. We don't make money with Joseph Bartomeu. So those are my thoughts. What are your final thoughts on, on the Messi saga? I don't believe he will be staying at Barcelona, regardless if Bartomeu is there or not. Um, I, I still see that he has expressed his desire to leave. And usually I, w- I would hope that Messi is you know on the on the money when it comes to this kind of stuff. Mm. Um, I, it pains me to say it because I really want him to stay as well. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, I, I think he wants to go somewhere where he could win. And even if Barcelona are trying to get as much money, because you have to know they're, they're also, despite having their their richest club um, title, you know, they still have to fix a lot of things in order to buy until to balance the books. I mean, look at no further at Arthur going to going to Juventus and Pjanic coming in. So. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see him staying, unfortunately. I think I do see him going to Manchester City um, and playing in the Premier League. You know, it's kind of been now the 
the end of an ultimate question, how he would fare in, in a different league. Well, probably get that chance at the Etihad. So I think he, I think we're getting two different sides of the spectrum here. You say that he stays, I say that he goes. So let's see what happens. If, if he goes, I got to say, I, I'm wondering if between going to court for this and on all that stuff, that it doesn't happen until the winter window. You know, that, that would be a concern. Uh, it, it, it will be very frustrating for a lot of people to not see Lionel Messi play for a couple months. 100% agree. I couldn't agree more. So, well, we'll see. I mean, this will not be decided next week, so I'm sure we will probably end up mentioning. You know the, what? Knowing our luck, it'll probably be decided tomorrow. Yeah, right. Why not? Yeah, right. As soon as we stop recording the show, that's when it'll be decided. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just like Messi just comes out on Instagram and says, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. Let's go. Right. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's, um, let's table all that. Let's get to matches of the week because uh, we are on break. Uh, we we actually have an international break. Who'd have thought that you know in this crazy world in crazy 2020 that we have an international break? But we do, um, and it's it's filled with European nations league. So on Thursday, Germany and Spain. All these start times, by the way, 2:45 p.m. Germany, uh, Germany, Spain on Thursday. On Friday, Italy, Bosnia Herzegovina, and the Netherlands, Poland. On Saturday, Iceland, England, and Portugal, Croatia. That should be a great one. And on Sunday, Switzerland, Germany. Like I said, all matches 2:45 p.m. MLS is also still going on. Rob, what did you think real quick before I get to the MLS matches about uh, Atlanta United? They took a tough one yesterday against um, against Orlando City. Orlando seems to not lose their kind of MLS's back uh, momentum, and Atlanta are very In shaky. Trouble. In trouble. Still. Boy, Oscar Pereira is doing a great job there so far in Orlando yes, for sure. I agree. So, um, Wednesday, Atlanta uh, United is going to play Inter-Miami at 7 p.m. New York Red Bull, D.C. United at 7.30. LAFC, San Jose at 10.30 p.m. And on San- on Saturday, we're going to get a rematch of Orlando-Atlanta at 8 p.m. Every time I see the Atlanta word, I want to say Atalanta, but that's, <laughs> that's the Italian to me. But So, Orlando-Atlanta United at 8 p.m. on Saturday is going to be a great one. And the rematch from the other day. So, Rob, let me give you the trivia question again. Lionel Messi leads all scorers, Argentinian goal scorers all time um, with, I believe it was 70 goals, if I remember correctly. I'm just calling up my information here quickly. Yes, 70 goals. On fifth place all time on the Argentinian national team is the other legend, Diego Maradona, at 34 goals. There are three players sandwiched between Lionel Messi and Diego Maradona for the top five goal scorers in Argentinian history. Can you name them? All right, so I think the one name that comes up to mind and usually the scoring uh, records is Batigol, Gabriel Batistuta. Batigol is second with 54 goals. I am going to go for Lionel Messi's best friend uh, in Sergio Aguero. Third place, 41 goals. Can you get one more? I can. Uh, another player that did well in Syria and also played in England as well. It's going to be Mr. Hernan Crespo. Well, the way you were describing that, you could have described Gonzalo Higuain in sixth place, but it is Hernan Crespo. 35 goals, one goal better than Diego Maradona. Gonzalo Higuain retired from the team at 2018, so he stays at 31 goals, six, uh, sixth all-time on the goal-scoring list. And currently, only, the only active players on this list are Lionel Messi and Sergio Aguero. So they can add to their tallies. Uh, Aguero obviously might stand an opportunity to catch Batigol, but... 54 goals he is 13 goals behind i don't see it happening um and i don't see anybody catching Messi for a very very long time uh actually no there might be one name there might be one name if he goes well i think we have one name uh lautano martinez he has nine goals in 17 games so maybe long way to go but he could get there so we'll have to see well i mean you know eventually Messi's going to retire from this team you're going to see Paulo Dybala, you're going to see Lautaro Martinez 
and it's going to be interesting to see how those guys mesh and where the goals come from. Um, exactly. You know, and Angel Di Maria is at 20 goals, by the way. So uh, we'll have to see. Soon, uh, sooner or later, we'll definitely see. So, Rob, without anything left on the docket, my friend, let's, uh, let's hit the closing music. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, for episode 295 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Peter Coates for joining us next week. We will be celebrating our seventh anniversary on the show. We'll have a couple of nice guests and uh, give you all the rundown and maybe further information on the Lionel Messi saga. So, for episode 295 of Low Limit Football, I'm Joe Ucello. I'm Robert Ross. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. <laughs>